This week on the 10 Podcast, financial health and wellness in the great north with Paul Britt. It's impolite to talk about money. You never ask someone how much money they make. I was conditioned, go to work, grind it out every day, get a pension, retire. He doesn't trade time for money like you and I do. His assets pay for his lifestyle. As a police officer, like what am I really qualified to do? It's a tried and true method that regular people can use to grow their wealth. What I did is I, I just started Googling things. But what I found myself doing after, I'd go to the mall and I'm not really specifically looking to buy anything, but I just buy something. I'm essentially like doing retail therapy, buying something to feel better. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 Podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The 108 Podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Once again, back, it's the incredible. Welcome to the 108 Podcast, episode 304, Financial Health and Wellness in the Great White North. My guest today is Paul Britton. Today we talk all about life in Canada's second most northern post and what Paul did to turn his life around after being dealt with some tough financial hardships. All that and much more await us, but first, let me introduce our sponsors. Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement, it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you, your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as TOCPublicRelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice, but you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. This episode is also brought to you by my new friends over at RTI Training, giving the type of training that incorporates humor and knowledge that cops respond to. Listen, we all know that you will never retain anything thanks to death by PowerPoint. So do yourself a favor and check out the new kids on the block when it comes to police training. They are revelationstraining.com. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So... Go to the app store of your choosing and download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. 
And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook and order online at thinvine.wine using the code 108TEN, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. So before we go too far into this fun, interesting, and informative conversation, I want to dive a little deeper into a topic that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with our episode today, but it does have something to do with me my personal life and just kind of how I've been dealing with things. So allow me children to tell you a story. In October 2019, I started the 108 Instagram page. As the story goes, it was a mix of boredom and me trying to get credit for a meme that was shared before I had the branding and it went viral. Now, all that is true, but there is a story to that that's underneath all of it. I have always been a performer. I was in sixth grade and I was in a school play. I know that sounds like big whoop, but what happened to me was it was the first time I was ever really in front of an audience. I think in first grade I was in a play and some other stuff here and there, but this one was significant. I loved it. I loved the laughter, the applause, everything that came from that performance left me yearning for more. Throughout the next couple of years, I did several things, basically anything I could to get a steady stream of that positive feedback. Um, I was in school plays. I was in the choir. Um, In high school, I became part of the school's TV station. Eventually, I ran it, um, and that included writing it, producing it, being on it. When I graduated, I was going to school for film, but I was also very active in that school's TV and radio station. On the TV station, I was an anchor and reporter, and for the radio station, I had my own hour-long radio show. Outside of all of that, I was in my band that I've talked about a bunch of times, and I made my own independent movie when I was still in high school, and we were even part of a YouTube series back when those were kind of a big deal too. When all these things fell apart for one reason or another, I had nothing for a long time. Eventually in Florida, I started to uh, learn the guitar and I I joined a duo with my buddy. And I also was a promoter for rock shows for a short time. And then eventually I became a police officer and lost almost all of my creative outlet, but also my source for that type of attention, that validation. So then came the Instagram world. And it's gotten to the point where something innocent has become like my fix. It's my drug. And with that, I want to caution everybody that's like me and needs that outside attention and validation and that double tap dopamine. I, I, I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you've ever felt low and are in love or whatever and you just send a message or a meme or a video or whatever to no less than five people and then you just wait for the reactions and the messages to roll in because each one of those messages that dings you, you crave that attention. It makes you feel like someone gives a shit. Unfortunately, at times, the podcast, the Instagram, all of it feels like that to me. It's, it's, it is. I yearn for it. And I hate it. You, sh- you shouldn't seek the validation from others. I know that I put out a good product, but yet I need from strangers, my friends, my coworkers, I need that. 
Your self-worth should originate and be elevated because of you, what you see and what you bring to the table. If you can shine light to other people, if you can make them laugh, smile, think, learn, grow, awesome. But let that just be a naturally unloading gift that you just happen to be give for being you. And that your existence is something that you are happy with. And if nobody else listens to what I just said and related to it, that's fine. Because I needed to hear it. For so long, I have been caught in this rat race. Really against myself. Wanting to outdo myself. Unhappy. And while that's good, you should always strive to be better. I feel like there's a double-edged sword. What you put out is good. You know, and, and I guess now as I'm even saying these words, I'm like, okay, well, you want to be good. You don't want to, you know, judge yourself by the opinions of others. But how do we then, what is our level of getting better? So I guess that's something that I have to think about a little bit more. But anyway, that's kind of everything that I wanted to explain. And, and the, the whole thing of like producing and performing and that reception that is the drug. So for everyone that doesn't quite get it, the song that's going to lead into our interview today is called Art is Dead and is by Bo Burnham. So please do me a favor. I'm going to play the whole track, uh, listen to it, listen to the words, and really like process what it says. It's going to have nothing to do with anything that we're about to talk about, but it will have a lot to do with what I just spoke about. So just think about that. Anyway, on to the topic at hand. Here comes my conversation with Paul Britton. He is a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and he's also an accidental financial wizard. A man that took his own misfortune and turned it into a true reevaluation. So here it is. Check out Paul Britton on episode 304 of the 108 Podcast. Art is dead, art is dead, art is dead, art is dead. Entertainers like to seem complicated, but we're not complicated. I can explain it pretty easily. Have you ever been to a birthday party for children? And one of the children won't stop screaming, cause he's just a little attention attractor. When he grows up to be a comic or actor, he'll be rewarded for never maturing, for never understanding or learning that every day can't be about him. There's other people, you selfish asshole I must be psychotic, I must be demented To think that I'm worthy of all this attention Of all of this money you worked really hard for I slept in late while you worked at the drugstore My drug's attention, I am an addict But I get paid to indulge in my habit It's all an illusion, I'm wearing makeup I'm wearing makeup, 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 makeup Art is a dead, so people think you're funny. How do we get those people's money? I said, our Art is a dead. We're rolling in dough while Carlin rolls in his grave. His grave, his grave. I said, 
The show has got a budget. The show has got a budget. And all the poor people, way more deserving of the money, won't budget. Cause I wanted my name in lights. When I could have fed a family of four for 40 fucking fortnights. 40 fucking fortnights. I am an artist, please God forgive me. I am an artist, please don't revere me. I am an artist, please don't respect me. I am an artist, feel free to correct me. A self-centered artist, self-obsessed artist. I am an artist, I am an artist. But I'm just a kid, I'm just a kid, I'm just a kid, kid. And maybe I'll grow out of it. All right, coming from the Great White North, right? That's what they call Canada. We have my buddy Paul. And we're going to talk finances. We're going to talk Canada. But first and foremost, Paul, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Uh, very, just uh, enjoying the Florida weather as we start leaving the summer. And now Florida's starting to be a whole lot more um, survivable. So not too bad at all. Um, so before we get too far talking about our topics today, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. My name is uh, Paul Britton. I'm a member, a regular member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Uh, it's, uh, we're colloquially known as the Mounties all over the world. I'm uh, currently posted to the second most northern community in Canada. That's uh, a fly-in uh, community in uh, Canada's territory of Nunavut. Uh, it's the Arctic, and um, there's 200 people here. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So what do you? So as a Mountie, so I had a I had a guest on last season from Canada, and she was not a Mountie, so I couldn't ask these questions. So now you're going to get them. Um, yeah, oh, for sure. I was I was floored to find out this was a couple years ago now that the Mounties do not ride horses anymore. I was like, well, what well, that's that's like such poor advertising or not false advertising to know that the mounted police are not mounted. Okay. That's, that's half true. We have uh, people that do ride horses. We just don't use them on our day-to-day activities anymore. So if you call the police in an RCMP jurisdiction, you're going to get a police officer in a truck or a car, just like any other uh, police service. But we do have a ceremonial unit called the musical ride that does do, uh, ceremonial horseback uh, shows mm, okay okay and they have the because i i you know i i joke but you know i'm not entirely ignorant of the whole thing yeah. i've seen uh different documentaries and whatever and then the rcmp is dressed in normal police garb you know yeah. tech vests or, or pants or video pants and everything but the the musical ride they still wear the traditional was it it's like a red coat yeah. and, and the hat yeah they wear the red surge and they uh use okay. use the that's our ceremonial uniform and we, and they, uh, they do the old, uh, the, the cavalry drill and, uh, they do a really good job and it's really, mm-hmm. uh, really something to see if you get, if anybody gets a chance to do it, they should, they should check it out. How, how do you get part of that union? Is that like a specialized thing you become a part of kind of like an honor guard or something? Like it that? is. So the musical ride is, is a high priority posting. So it's, so they're, they're very hard spots to fill because first off you got to get people that, uh, look good on a horse. They have to want to do that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, it's posted out of Ottawa and it's not, it takes away from the core policing uh, duties of a cop. But, uh, a lot of people do it because it's very, it's a very public, uh, job and, uh, a lot of benefits of, uh, traveling. 
with the unit. So you go, you can, depending on where you're slated to go, you could go all over the world really in your uh, four year mm-hmm. term with the ride. Okay. So you do it for four years Yeah. now to become RCMP. Do you have to, is, is horse ride? And this is kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm, I'm curious as well. Do you have to be able to ride a horse or is that like, no, that's no, that's only for that specialized unit. So yeah, only for that specialized unit and uh, the horse, the horse part of depot, they did, they did teach it, but that ended in the fifties. Uh, okay. Okay. So we're way beyond that. Yeah. Gotcha. So oh, yeah. Everybody, every every stupid American, myself included, that might be thinking that oh the Mounties and blah 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 blah, it's not it's not quite like that anymore since the fifties. So that's quite some time. That's yeah. uh, what seventy years ago. Yeah. So okay, yeah. so that's that, that's good to know. That's good to know. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses here. You know what? Uh, the other thing you said. So don't feel bad about that because uh, we just had a cruise ship pull in here and uh, into our little community here, and some tourists got off, and they asked the same thing. So. It's not just you, man. And it's not just Americans. So Sure, sure. I mean, I feel like that's, unfortunately, when you're not familiar with a place or a culture or whatever, you just kind of stick to whatever is publicly known. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, that the Maldives ride yes. horses and that, you know, that Americans, you know, can be brash and obnoxious or whatever, you know, just take your stereotype and go with it. And yeah. that's typically what you have. You know, I've seen like TV shows where people come over from like, you know, China or Japan, and they're like, where's Kim Kardashian? Like, you know, like things that they see on TV, they believe is an everyday occurrence. It's not, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, for sure. So you work, you said in a 200 person community. Um, that's very tiny. Yeah. So we, as members of the RCMP, a part of our mandate is we, we provide policing services to the Arctic regions of Canada. And, my uh, spouse and I, we volunteered for a posting up here, and uh, here we are. Okay, so so you volunteered to go all the we, way up there. Yeah, we did. So you have to volunteer for a northern uh, duty posting. It's uh, it's challenging, and you have to pass a bunch of medical and psychological tests to get sent up. Now, is that like Alaska in the United States where it's you can get full days of sun or dark depending on the time of year? Correct. Okay. Like we're we're very similar to Alaska, except on this side of the Arctic, we're on the eastern Arctic. There's no uh, there's no trees at all here, whereas they do get they do get trees in uh, in Alaska. Okay, so where you are, what is that like? It's it's uh, kind of it's honestly, it's been described the most accurately as living on the moon. So it it looks like a look at the surface of the moon and it, that it looks exactly. Uh, is what the terrain here looks like. I on check if you want to see more, check out my in, Instagram. They got all I put, posted all kinds of pictures on there, and uh, okay. And actually, NASA was just up here testing their Mars rover because this is oh wow this is our okay. the area in the world that has the most uh, accurate or close to Mars. Okay, and how long have you been up there, and how long can you stay up there? So I have been in the territory of Nunavut for a total of one year, one year and a bit already, but I have just been in this post for uh, two and a bit months. So in, okay. in the in the community that I'm in up here, uh, it's called Resolute Bay. We are there's only uh, two police officers that work here. We're here and we're on call twenty four seven. Gotcha. Wow, that's that's very tiny it is that's, that's a lot of responsibility on you yeah it's uh like it's it's quite the uh 
it's quite the uh, responsibility, but it with it comes uh, all kinds of rewards as well, right? It it's it's a job like unlike any other in the world. Mm-hmm. There's like the people up here are great, uh, very welcoming, and they're they've been really good to my wife and kid and myself and uh, looking forward to us. So we're going to be here for two years, and we're looking forward to okay. it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was that was my next question was going to be, you know, what is the community like? I mean, that's very small, very tight knit. Yeah. Um, so I would figure that they'd have to be pretty cohesive. Yeah. Cause, I mean, there's not many of them, you know, you're not going to get lost in those numbers. No. And, and uh, we work hard to solve problems uh, through a community policing lens where uh, it's not like a. Sure. You'd, you'd have to. Yeah, you have to. Because we all got to live together. Right. Like the guy that I'm arresting could be is literally my neighbor. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not like a big city where you, you call police one day and, and he solves your issue leaves and you'll never see the guy again for the rest of your life. We're, we're very much part of the community and uh, in a town this small and this isolated, um, that's the way it's got to be. Right. Right. And you said you're the second northernmost post. Yeah. How far away is the first northernmost? So the northernmost post in well, in the world, as far as I know, that's inhabited full time is called Grease Fjord, and it's an hour north by plane. Oh, okay. Like you can't. So, and that's, is that the only way that you can get there? Yeah. So, to put things into perspective, like it's you can't you can't drive to where we are to Nunavut. You have to fly. There's no roads. From so before you were in Nunavut, where did you live in Canada? What like what area? So I was I was born on the prairies in Manitoba. And when I joined the RCMP, I was, I worked as part of the border Canada border service agency and I made my application to the RCMP and I left from, from a small town in Manitoba. I went to Regina where we did our uh, training for six months. And then after that, Mm -hmm. uh, I was posted to a town called St. Paul, Alberta. And then from there, I went to a town called another town called Fort McMurray, Alberta. And then from there, I went, uh, I applied for Northern service was successful and, um, got transferred. Wow. So let's, let's just talk just to give my, my listeners and to me come some perspective from like Toronto, right? That's, that's a very, you know, America is very familiar with Toronto from Toronto. How far would it be to get to where you are right now? Okay. So it's a, it's about an hour and a bit flight to Ottawa. And then, okay. so on Ottawa is the big, is a hub for the North. And from Ottawa, it's, a, it's about three hours in the air to the main uh, city of Akalawit, which is the ter- the territorial capital. capital. And then from Akalawit, it's about five hours North from that to where I am. By plane? By plane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is a long, Yeah. that is far away. It that's, is. A, that's a far away journey. It is. That's amazing. Up until this point, and I said this in the introduction, I've only knew about Nunavut uh, from a research pro- project I did when I was in like fifth grade. Yeah. So to hear this and like really see it in perspective, because even when I did it, I didn't really know much. I was just like Eskimos live up there. That's really all I got. Yeah. That and like caribou. Yeah. And you know, like that. That's it. Yeah. So to hear, you know, and to speak to someone who's living it voluntarily, yeah, uh, it's very interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you sharing some of this perspective with me. No. My pleasure, man. So the how long have you been with the R- RCMP again? I know you just said it. How long was that? Uh, 13 years. So in that time, uh, you kind of laid out the different things you did and the different posts you've been on. Yeah. 
And, you know, we started talking because you, you had a perspective on police and financial situations. How did you get that mindset and perspective? So after, after at my second posting in Fort McMurray, Alberta, about a condo and the condo was about $350,000 and that might seem like a lot of money to some, but it might not seem like a lot to others. But in the town that we're living in, Fort McMurray, it was like, it's an oil resource town. So I don't know if you heard in the news lately, but um, the Biden administration uh, canceled a, a, a important pipeline that was supposed to go from Fort McMurray to Edmonton and down into Oklahoma and then down into Texas. So that, that was the plan because there's a ton of oil mined in, in Fort McMurray where it was. So once the oil prices crashed, it absolutely tanked the real estate values in our, uh, in our community. So by that time I had met my wife, we got married. We were, we looked, went to like sell the condo and we're like, holy holy crap, like we're going to lose, we're going to lose our shirt here. So we started renting it out and that was a mistake and prices kept dropping and dropping. And I eventually had to give the keys back to the bank, to their condo. So it was with renting it, it was costing me about 800 and something dollars a month. That's after all the, like the mortgage was paid and dealing with tenants and all that good stuff. So Mm. I, then I started looking at like, Oh, okay. Like what can you do? And, and losing money and stuff. And really until that point, I'd never paid much attention to my finances whatsoever. Really. I knew I had a good paying job at a pension. Uh, whenever I wanted to buy something, I just bought it. And I really didn't give it much of a second thought, but until that point now I'm facing, uh, like a negative credit, uh, report, uh, lower credit score, all that kind of stuff. So what I did is I started educating myself on money and, and just some experiences that I brought that I look at from the police perspective. And uh, I just came up and I wrote an article about, about how as cops, we have a very, not a very good relationship with money just because of our job and our mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to go into that. I was actually trying to pull up that article, but the website that it was on uh, blocked me. It was like, oh, you've looked at this article too many times for free. Eh? Yeah. And then it was like, you know, you got to gotta pay for it. So, yeah. um, but we're going to talk about it. I just don't have it to reference it, but I'm, you know, I'm talking to the author itself. So we just fine. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. Cops. I, mean, I think just adults in general, um, especially here in the United States, I don't know how it is up in Canada, but um, in our, in our, you know, secondary education in our high schools, we don't really learn about money and finances and credit and things like that. That's just kind of kept secret to us. You can take, um, in my high school, we did have those classes like consumer economics. Um, but it was an elective and no one really wanted to do it because, you know, you're a senior and that sounds like a lot of work. So we're not touching it. So a lot of people just go and they never, they never learn about it. And here we are adults and we're supposed to know what all these big words mean. Yeah. Spoken for first person experience. I have no idea what half those words mean. Yeah. (laughs) No. And you know what? And I really didn't, I, I really didn't either until I started to educate myself and started reading some books on money and how money actually works. And what are some good strategies to use your money uh, contrary to what I've been taught my whole life, right? So 
growing sure. up, like growing up for me, like my, my dad was a teacher and my mom had her own small business for a bit, but then became a government contractor. And like she was a political appointee for the government and money was not something that we talked about. It was like, it's impolite to talk about money. You never ask someone how much money they make. Mm-hmm. You never ask them what they do with their money. And that, that was it. Like we, we, I was conditioned from a little, from little watching my parents go to work, grind it out every day, get a pension, retire. And then that's it. Right. There was no talk of right. buying investments or assets or what's the difference between an asset and a liability and, um, Mm-hmm. that kind of stuff right it's just it just wasn't talked about so i think as and especially as cops like we need that needs to be driven into us at basic training and say look you guys are now making a government wage and you're a good your credit people that want that are lenders are going to want to lend you money and every time a new police officer rolls out of his training there's a guy selling the looking to sell them a truck. Oh, every time. Like, it's the Ford F-150. It's the yeah. Chevy 1500. Like, it's all the big trucks. Like, yeah. And back in my old posting, we used to always joke that as soon as you got got posted to Fort McMurray as a new member, you were, your next stop was the, was the dealership to get hosed on a, and financing a brand new truck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a joke that we make down here all the time too. I remember um, when I was a rookie, I was actually, I was going through FTO the second time I had a, had a, like a reboot and there was a brand new guy and I liked him. And I said, Hey man, listen, one of the first things I saw when I went through the first time is everyone was like trading in their clunker cars that they had while they were in the Academy and they were getting these really nice cars, you know, Mustangs and BMWs and trucks and Jeeps and all this. And I was like, that's all fine and dandy. But if you don't make probation, then what yeah. are you going to do? You're giving that car back. Yeah. And he was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And, you know, I, I bought a car out of necessity, um, but it was something that I could afford. It wasn't something that was astronomical. So yeah. you're absolutely right. That's an ongoing issue that we see. And what do you think? Is it because of cops? This is now the first time they're they're earning this amount of money. Or is it something else that kind of goes with that? I think it's a it's a mix a mix of both. I think it's our our culture. We're a very we're a very kind of look cool culture, and who who doesn't like to to have a new truck, right? Who doesn't like to have nice stuff? And uh, mm-hmm. also too, like for a lot of guys, young guys coming out of the coming out of the academy, it's their first real job and their first big pay. And, right. and if you don't, Absolutely. and if you don't know what to do with that money, you're easy prey for, uh, for salespeople, especially the car salesmen. Yeah. I mean, those are the ones, you know, that I don't know about up there with you, but housing is a little harder to come by, but I mean, you could definitely find like a condo or a nice apartment, but like, it's kind of harder to roll out of the Academy and buy a house, but you might wind yourself into a pit similar. So I could definitely see that. I had a, I had an instructor in the Academy, you know, talk about like, they don't really teach us about this. I had an instructor in the Academy. He goes, you know, you guys are about to graduate and uh, you're probably making more now than you've ever made before in your life on a, you know, on a, on a job. And then I was like, Oh man, here comes some really good age old wisdom from a guy that's lived there, done that. (laughs) 
and he didn't. He totally was like, "Hey, don't don't be uh don't be hitting up all the nightclubs and getting all these women pregnant just because you got money." I was like, "That's not the lesson we needed. <laughs> yeah. That is not the lesson we needed." Yeah, that that is that is. I good had, advice, I did have, but, <laughs> but not necessarily. It, it is, it is, but it wasn't the one I thought yeah. he was going for. He kind of, he kind of, he had me in the first half. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But you know, I did have an instructor later on. Uh, during field training who came in and kind of taught us a little bit about investing very little bit. It was like an hour block, but it was so to me, it was a distant idea. Like it was like, I'm not ready to invest that just yet. We had reps come in for um, different savings and, and Roth IRAs and this and this and this. But you know, when you're getting the presentation in a broad setting, you know, if you got, a bunch of people in the classroom or the conference room, you're not really getting, this is like a topic where, yes, it's okay to talk about it generally, yeah. but you really need to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with somebody yeah. that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Especially, especially too, if you're like, if you're uh, like, I'm not sure about the United States, but in Canada we have like in the RCMP and every other police service for the most part has what's called a defined benefit pension plan. So, we make our contributions and the employer makes theirs and you get a set amount of money when you retire based on your best five years of, of service. So Mm -hmm. that money's not going to change and people, and it's, and, and it's a very rare rarity to have that in this day and age. So people really don't give much thought to their retirement. They just are like, Oh, well, the the force is going to take care of me so i really don't got to worry about that right no yeah and and it's it's very misguided because i had a one of those retirement seminars i had someone sit down and say you know and he said the exact same thing you 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 have your pension and you think that's going to just carry you through to your you know to your golden years um but that's that's the wrong way to think about it you've got your pension which is kind of like you know the bread of a meal. Yeah. And then you need to start adding other things to yeah. it to make a complete meal. You can't just rely on that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and having had an older uh, father who retired from the police department and uh, we lived on his pension and realized that, okay, we need more. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was very hard. You know, he, he ended up having to go back to work mm-hmm. and things like that. And as he got older, living off of like um, different um, like social security, things like that, that we have down in the United States. So it's, it's from literally living this life. I know that you need to have um, yeah. a vast array of income options because when you retire that one, once a month or whatever it might be paycheck is not going to go as far as you think it's going to go. No. And, and you know, the thing too, is like people are now having kids later. Like I'm, I'm 41 and we're, like we're, uh, I got one kid that's only, she's only three. So I'm going to have to be carrying my kid for the next like 17 years. Right. So, and and that's going to be past my time where I'm going to go into retirement. So my options are either Mm -hmm. I invest, I invest my money wisely or I have to work later, either, either in a policing career or something else or something else. Right. My, I, I've had people tell me, you know, when you, when you get out of this job and you go back to work, um, it should be because you want to, not because you have to, yeah. that's the, probably the worst thing well. to have to do. When I was still in my early twenties, I worked a lot of temporary jobs, you know, temp assignments, working for, you know, caterers and things like that. Yeah. 
And there were a lot of older people working these jobs with me, probably, you know, people in their fifties and up. And <clears throat> this was right around 2010, 2011, 2012, like that. Yeah. So basically the aftermath of the recession of 2008. Yeah. And basically what their stories were, were either they were career you know, businessmen and women who retired and then their savings took a dive because of the recession yeah. or they were people that got laid off their job because of the great recession. Yeah. And they all said the same thing, man, I wish I saved. I wish I had this. I wish I invested. I wish I had something else. Yeah. So again, that was another telltale sign. Like, okay, I respect them realizing their shortcomings, but I never want to be in their seat. No. So what do we do? How do we plan and set ourselves up to in case first off in case when we retire we need money or just just in case because we want to have a retirement worth living have money and then not only that let's focus on those two but there's more that i want to kind of do after that as well yeah so my big thing is you really really have to understand where your money is going right now so me i i use my credit card a lot i didn't really know where like what i was spending every month like you need to have a budget and have a good understanding of where your money is being spent and if anything you can trim that back. So I like so my wife and I were both subscribed to Amazon Prime both of us mm-hmm. which was which is that you're paying for it twice. And I also had a Disney I had a Disney and to I, the same address. Yeah, so like th- there right there you can save some a month but uh the the first thing is you got to understand where you're spending your money and then see where you can dial it back. And a lot of people, I, I see a lot of things. It's like, Oh, like I love my, I love my coffees every day and I have to cut that back. I have to cut this back. But, you know? Yeah, that's great. But if your car payment is a thousand dollars a month, that, that should, would probably be the best place to start. And housing is another one too, right? In uh, this works, this is one of the big advantages that Americans have. It's, it's called house hacking where you mm-hmm. buy a property that has between one and four units and you can uh, rent out parts of it. And that qualifies for an FHA mm-hmm. loan in the United States, a 3.5% down. So in a lot of markets, that's a reasonable way to get into a, get into, get into a house for, and then have someone else help pay for your mortgage, if not all of it. In, in my last jurisdiction, we called that... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it, it like dorm style living. Basically yeah. you have a house and you're renting out each individual room Yeah, in that where I used to work, that was frowned upon. It was, um, you know, we were, I was part of the unit that we were really trying to crack down on that because that's where you yeah. get all those like, you know, lower, um, yeah. lower income, higher crime rated yeah. uh, individuals, you know? So that was definitely, frowned upon for sure but i could definitely see that so so there's a big so there's a big difference between hacking your house and hacking i mean mm-hmm. like using it smartly or running a an illegal boarding house so when i when i say like having a roommate i'm like having one roommate living with you and you bought a house mm. or and you rent out like one of the be- one of the bedrooms or something like that uh or you buy a duplex and then one person lives on one side, you live on the other, and you own the property, 
and that person is helping you pay your mortgage. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah no. What I'm talking about is more of those like sketchy boarding house type things. So, yeah. yeah. You're you're you got me there. Yeah. I think you made a good point when you're talking about buying a coffee every day or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, that's that's great. You know, but you know, I'm I'm not going to discredit the people that are trying to pinch pennies together by you know only drinking coffee that comes from the house, not eating out. You know, those are all important steps too. But again. If if you're living up beyond your means anyway, yeah, then that five dollar coffee, you know, that burger, that's not going to really make a big difference because you're already spending way too much. I mean, that's important, but you're already spending way too much money on the other things that yeah. are substantially more. Well, that's and that's it. And I I don't know if you've ever read the the book Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I I remember seeing him on Oprah back yeah. in the day, the first time he was on Oprah. I was a kid and I was watching it cuz my mom was watching it. I wasn't like a 5-year-old kid watching Oprah. That that anyway, continue. Yeah. So Rich Richard Kiyosaki wrote this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's one of the the best-selling financial books of all time and it it essentially breaks down there's two things that you buy in your life and they're either liabilities or assets. Assets make you money, liabilities cost you money. And his said he says that anybody Anybody in the in uh, in the United States can buy enough assets, so your assets cover your liabilities, and then you can start buying the fun things, right? That uh, mm-hmm. that go with it, right? So, sure. so he doesn't trade now. He doesn't trade time for money like you and I do. He just his assets pay for his lifestyle, right? So go go ahead with that. Like, how do you do that? How do you accomplish things? Like so that? you buy you buy. Uh, Dividend uh, stocks, stocks that pay money every uh, every quarter. You invest in businesses, um, and you can buy residential real estate or commercial real estate that produces money. Yeah, that's something that I've been interested in a lot recently because you know this whole podcast Instagram thing it kind of exists and it makes me a little bit money on the side. Yeah. It's not you know I can't I can pay a bill maybe occasionally with what this produces to me, but. It exists. It gives me a little bit of money. I put a little bit of effort into it every day. Yeah. That's that. But what I want is to have businesses exist, have things in this world exist that make me money that I don't have to do anything for yeah. and then just reap the rewards. And then from there, I can, again, pay for the fun stuff and do yeah. the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think, you know, I've really been trying to give people that idea like you know wouldn't it be great if you could make money and not do anything yeah. you know like 40 hours a week we are doing things and it's taking yeah. like you said we're trading time for money it'd be great if just in the background we are just accumulating wealth or not wealth but just income yeah and you know because that's 40 hours a week that we are now freeing up by not doing it yeah so i thought the exact same way and uh and i just kind of looked at it and i said well as a police officer, like, what am I really qualified to do other than take, like, I can take calls, I can investigate crime, I can solve other people's problems. And then I'm like, okay, well, what is, what is business? Business is solving, pro- is solving problems on just a different kind of scale. So I, my wife and I started a, a business in the United States where we buy, buy rental properties and rent them out. So essentially we're, we're a, a business that owns a duplex. We rent it out. And it gives us $300 a month and we spend very little time dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it's not foolproof and it's not totally passive, 
but it's it's a tried and true method that regular people can use to grow their wealth. Sure, absolutely. And you know, I've been I've been watching on Instagram and Facebook all these different things like, you know, people buy and flip um or not even buy and flip just buy and it just kind of exists like a laundromat yeah. or um yeah. car washes, things like that, like tried and true recession proof yeah. items that people use all the time yeah and you know they they're great income generators yeah and and of course you know real estate is always a tried and true method especially you know the rental business so i i think that's an absolutely great thing and i loved what you said that what what are what is a cop qualified for well we're actually qualified for quite a bit Um, everybody just thinks we're pigeonholed into just law and order, law and order. No, there. Yeah. Think of all the skills that you've gained from being a police officer. You can do a whole lot with that. Yeah, it's so being a police officer that I've noticed in my in my time is essentially we're in sales. We go like we mm-hmm. sell people cooperating with us on a daily basis. Like whenever you stop a vehicle and you give them a, give them a ticket, you're selling them a ticket. It's right. It's using the skills you've developed as a police officer negotiation sales and then applying it to another another business sure absolutely i think it's just a whole lot of communicating and and kind of uh persuasion that comes from being a police officer and really when you have that you can do almost everything but really the sales and and things like that you're you're absolutely right Mm -hmm. um as far as so we're talking about that as, as far as investing you said about you know uh dividend stocks things like that what would you recommend a cop invest their money into to um really set them up for the future so i think first of all you need to talk to a someone that's a that's a financial advisor that's that you trust and like like i'm i feel having done the real estate thing i'm qualified to talk about that but as far as like the stock market and buying and selling stock, like that's, that's out of my wheelhouse. I don't. So what I would do, what I do is I defer to a professional on that one. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I have a money manager that I trust and you go through and he goes through like, what's your risk tolerance? Like what, like how much you want to invest and just have that plan in place. Like, what do you want to do? Right. Do you want, do you need, do you want an extra like $25,000 a year to live on plus your pension? Like what are you willing to invest in during that period? Right. So it's, it, but it's mostly is developing that relationship with a money manager that you, that you trust. Mm-hmm. Sure. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And as far as to go back to your wheelhouse, to talk about cops wanting to get involved in investing in real estate, where do you start? Because I feel like, I had a buddy, he bought a couple of rental properties. He, he didn't even flip them. He literally bought them from the owner. The tenants were still in it and he just kind of turnkeyed and, and he was good to go. Yeah. When he was explaining that to me, that sounded like such a daunting task. I mean, you're, you're literally buying a home that you're not going to live in, Yeah. you know, and that just, that kind of blew my mind. So where, where does an officer start? What, where does anybody start with doing this path? You know, what are some steps that you need to line up to get along the way? So when I had my real estate disaster in Fort McMurray, I was just like, I'm like, okay, everybody I've known through my whole life has always made money on real estate. Like my parents, my, like other relatives, they all like, like real estate in Canada is usually pretty good. Like it always just steadily like creeps up. So I'm thinking like, 
and I just lost $250,000. Like, like, where did I go wrong? So I started researching about like different markets and how the, the market is, is everything like what drives the economy and why are people living there and why are they buying houses and what's pushing that demand? So what I did is I, I just started Googling things like as an investigator would, like the first thing you do is Google something. And I came across this, uh, it's a website, it's called biggerpockets.com and they have a, a podcast that goes with it and it's, it's grown quite a bit. They have a bunch of different podcasts and it just goes, it talks about all things, real estate from flipping houses, re- renting houses, apartment buildings, commercial real estate. It just, it has, it has an episode. It has like, I think they're up to like almost 700 episodes now. And it's one of the highest, uh, has the highest listener base out of any podcasts. And it's, uh, it's just a wealth of knowledge. And what was that again? Bigger, biggerpockets.com. Write that down, write that down. Okay. Okay. And they, uh, they ha- also have a website with a forum. It's essentially a one-stop shop for anything real estate related. And one of the hosts of the show, his name's David Green, and he was a uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit police officer in the Bay Area. And he, uh, he invested in real estate and, and then eventually got his real estate license and left policing. And now is like, he's very successful, doing really well. And he, he wrote a book called, wrote a couple books actually, but he wrote the one that I got the most out of was uh, long distance real estate investing. And it, uh, it basically, it's a playbook on how you can live where you live. Like say you live in a very, like you live in California where it's a very, very expensive market. You can invest where I bought a house in Ohio, which is, mm-hmm. which has a great, which is a great market to invest in because you can, you can buy cash flow with your properties and they're in growing markets and there's always a strong demand for rental properties. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. and there's a whole, like that might sound insane to someone like you, like you buy a house, like you bought a house without looking at it and you can't see it every day and drive by it. I'm like, well. Yeah, this guy's done it, and he's done it hundreds of times, and he's uh, and he got and he now has more more passive income that he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to work, and right, and right, and and this has been happening forever. Sure, sure. You're not you're not giving us you know you're not reinventing the wheel. This no. is a tried and true method that has happened for so many years yeah. and so for so long, and it's it's proved effective. It has proved um, possible. Yeah. So that's a very good resource. Everybody check that out. Uh, I'm definitely going to look into it. Now, to kind of take a step back a little bit, talking about just overall financial wellness and financial health, you know, what are some things that if if someone's listening right now and they need to kind of check themselves, you know, do a check-in and say like, all right, what am I doing and what do I need to do to be financially healthy? What are some things that you'd recommend for people to look out for and kind of test out to see if they're going in the right direction. So what I found myself doing, uh, I think like, like every police officer um, or first responder in this, uh, in, in the world where we're at a high risk to get like workplace stress injuries, like a PTSD diagnosis. And I'm no different. I've seen my fair share of things that bad things, but what I found myself doing after 
is after a baby, a hard set, I get off, get up off nights and I'd go to the mall and I'm not really specifically looking to buy anything, but I, but I just buy something just to feel that adrenaline, that dopamine hit. And, uh, I'm essentially like doing retail therapy to, and I don't need anything. I'm just buying something to feel better. And if you find yourself doing mm-hmm. that, I think that's, that's a indicator that you need to get some help, get some treatment and, uh, understand, understand what's happening and stop spending your money like that. And how many of us, you know, late at night or, you know, early in the morning when you get home from nights and you just start scrolling Amazon yeah. and before you know it, the boxes just keep showing up. And I think, I think that's one of the most toxic things about Amazon is, you know, buy with one click of a button. Yeah. And uh, before you know it, just boxes and boxes and boxes. I've always, when I do, you know, I'll, I'll do Amazon in bursts. You know, if I'm like, like right now, I'm uh, before we pressed record, I was telling you about my smoker. So I'm yeah. buying different pieces for it, different whatever. Um, but I always like kind of go, all right, I've seen the Amazon man way too many times yeah. this week. I think I got to gotta calm down a little bit. So I had this like immediate guilt. Like, all yeah. right, I'm, I'm obviously spending too much time and money onto it. Yeah. Uh, but some people don't get that. Some people, you know, they, they just keep doing it. It's, it's crazy, right? When we're talking about these negative coping mechanisms for yeah. the stress and, and the, the grief that we go through. <laughs> Sometimes, right, what we're doing, and a lot of times, what we're doing is not illegal. No. Shopping is not illegal. No. Nope. Um, you know, smoking, drinking sometimes even gambling, depending on where you are, is not illegal. No. The problem with all this is the excessive amount in which we do it. Yes. And that's where it becomes this this bad trend. Mm-hmm. It, there's no problem. Like like for me, I was having a great, great stretch of time. And I was like, man, I really deserve something. I've been working really hard. I bought the smoker. You yeah. know, or, you know, hey, it's been a it's been a long stretch of of hard work. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a nice night at the bar with my friends or my family, whatever it might be. None of those things are, are, are bad. No, it's when it kind of, it becomes excessive yeah. that we start to really see the problem there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. It's like policing and law enforcement. We're in such a stressful work that our workplace that, and that we like to reward ourselves, right? After having like a hard day and we, or a hard set of shifts and, and it's mostly like when you're tired and coming off nights, it's like, why wouldn't I just go and buy this or buy that? So it's, it's, uh, it's an issue that needs to be talked about. And, uh, I know I always see on these, like, uh, these police Instagram pages or websites and stuff, mm-hmm. Facebook, where guys are like ultra fit. They're the best shooter. They're like saying, Oh, take care of yourself mentally. But yeah, that's great. But if you're going home and you're in debt up to your eyeballs, like where's your, that I think that like your finances take are formulate a big part of your mental health. Isn't it crazy? You know, financial health, I think too many people don't talk about it. We've already talked about this, but if you're financially unhealthy, it leads to so many more problems for everything else in your life. Absolutely. If you think about it, if you think of your life as like a pie chart, I had this analogy worked up earlier today so let's think of your body right and let's just say finances is your left leg now your finances are terrible you're out you're got debt coming out of your eyes uh you're spending more than you're gaining um so there's a lot of lot so your your leg is just not working right now so you got to put enough 
you got to balance somehow, right? Yeah. So you're going to par- start putting stress on the rest of your body, whether it be your family, uh, your own personal health, your diet, all these different things. Well, eventually you put enough stress on all these different parts of your body to try to compensate for the leg that's not doing its job. Then what's going to happen? You're going to injure another part of your body. Yeah. So what I say in this analogy is if your finances are messed up, then it's going to start putting a stress on your family life. It's going to start putting a stress. You're going to be working a whole lot more. Yeah. And now, you know, your wife's mad because you're never home. And then you start, you know, when you think about what we argue about, we argue a lot about money. Yeah. So why not take care of that first? Yes. No, a hundred percent. And please, and policing it's, it's a trap, right? Because I don't know about your organization, but mine, like I can go out and get overtime whenever I want. Like, of course, like it's, there's always like when I w- worked in a big detachment, there's always the message. We need more guys. We need this. We need that. And then when I worked in plain clothes, there was always something going on that they needed guys to go somewhere for. So it's like, if you owe money, it's a, it's a tempting trap. Right. And then you're taken away from your fa- oh, yeah. family time. And like when you're working, you're not, you're not eating the best. You're not like, you're just at that operating at that red line stress level. It's uh yeah, it's not good. And you can't, and you can't do that forever. So you need like your finances sure. are so important. And I've seen like, because my situation is in Fort McMurray where we had the economic downturn there. It wasn't, it wasn't unique. Like I was just, I was just lucky that like that was the only thing that was really going sideways in my life. But guys that had one other thing or two other things happening, man, like there were not some, not some good outcomes that I saw it. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head every single time, you know, talking about working so much overtime, that's going to, again, you're not going to eat right. You're not going to sleep right. Um, you're going to burn out. I, I am case one case study of this. You're going to burn out if you work too often. Yeah. Um, and again, you got to remember what you have at home. What are you doing this for? What are you actually yeah. working for? Are you working because to pay off some debt? Are you working because you want to provide a nice life for your family? Okay, all that's fine. But if you're not there to see your family or you know reap the benefits of your of your work, yeah, what's the point anyway? So yeah. you know if you're if you're drowning in this debt, you got to. It took me a while to realize that mm-hmm. you know I was working a lot of overtime, but I didn't really have a lot to show for it because I was pretty much spending as quickly as it came in on nonsense, you know, and it was only a little over a year ago now where I really sat down. And I was like, all right, time to be a big boy, time to yeah. really sit down and figure out what I want to do. And I fixed my credit score from, from, you know, maybe low sixes, high fives to a very um, comfortable number now, but only when I stopped myself and went, what am I doing with yeah. my life and my time? Like this is, Otherwise, it's a waste of time. But that's that's where like credit card companies and lenders, that's where they want you to be, right? They want you to be mm-hmm. right there in that in that sweet spot for them, where your credit score isn't low enough that they won't give you credit. You're paying off, paying everything off, like the minimum payments and stuff, but you're getting that higher interest rate and you're carrying that balance. So, right, credit card companies call people like me who don't carry a credit card balance, they call us freeloaders because we're not like they're carrying us. Right. Mm-hmm. So they get all the, all the, I get all my air mile points and all those benefits that come with 
having a, a, a nice credit card, but I'm not paying any interest. And they hate that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. The the credit card companies, credit scores, all those things is probably one of the biggest evils yeah. of mankind. It's just I hate them. Um, you know, we we haven't mentioned his name, but Dave Ramsey hates him. Yeah. And he was actually I was I was listening to Dave Ramsey when I got myself out of debt. Yeah. You know, I I still can't see myself buying a car in cash, but everything else he says, I really I take a lot yeah. to heart because. I cannot, you know, I checked my credit score when I paid everything off. And I'm like, wow, my numbers went down and that yeah. pissed me off. I was like, how can my numbers go down when I'm doing everything right? I was like, you know what? That's basically when I swore off credit cards altogether. I was yeah. like, this is just a game that well, I'm always going to lose. Well, yeah. Like, like I look at, I monitor my credit score all the time. And when I went through that, uh, my foreclosure with my, my condo, my credit card, my score went way down. Like I had a, Mm-hmm. I had a up in Canada, like I had an 800 credit score, which is like excellent, right? I never missed a payment, never, you know, but I carried balances on my credit card and I, I, uh, paid them, like paid off them occasionally. And, but once I, my credit card, my score went down, it really, uh, really started to affect me, right? Like, so you're, you're right, but they like you to keep that little bit of balance in there because then your credit card score goes up. And they justify it by saying, we right. like and to see you using it responsibly. I'm like, Margaret. right, right. But little do you know, they're, you know, they're getting the money. And yeah. It's just, it's a pain in the yeah. ass, really. Absolutely. So we're going to, I do have a couple listener questions for you. And then we're going to wrap it up in just a moment. Yeah, Before man. we do, um, I, w- I want to ask you about some words of wisdom that you would give to any police officer right now to improve their financial health like you know obviously we talked about you know checking on your spending yeah. um getting investment but if you could give like one piece of advice to someone listening to kind of not even get them out of a hole but just to kind of launch them forward what would that be the, the biggest one and i think it's one of the biggest spends that guys do especially cops is is the vehicle it's the number one cost and it's and it's so easy to get because of our good our good income that i think guys are really at risk because once you have that big vehicle payment, it makes uh, buying a house much harder. No. Yeah. I I just paid off my car a few months ago, the same one from my previous story. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is great. No car payment. It's going to be amazing. I'll be able to you know, save more and blah, 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 blah. A few months went by and I was like, you know, I'd really like insert car here and i almost was like let's go in let's go for it even though my car is in good shape um you know only a hundred thousand miles on it which for being as old as it is is not bad um no real breakdowns or issues knock on wood um and i was like no stop 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 you know (laughs) i don't need a a car payment right now I'm, i'm good with what i've got um but it's so easy to fall into that trap especially when you see the new shiny yeah. jeep or truck or whatever especially now in my situation where i've got good credit I've, i'm making yeah. money but that's not the that's not what you need to do especially you know for me or anybody in similar situations who's looking to buy a house or things like that yeah a, a new car the fancy new you know tesla jeep whatever is not what you need to be spending your time and money no it's it's you know what and people that's like the car sales people know that your vehicle's going to be paid off right away. And I'm sure they reached out and they're like, Hey, uh, we got this new model. How about, what do you think? Come, come take mm-hmm. a look at it. Right. And they're not like, these guys aren't idiots. Right. And, and they make money the, 
the more you finance your vehicle, that's how they make their big bucks, right? Right. Like it's yeah, exactly. And and as soon as as my as my loan was coming to a close, as I almost paid it off, that's when I got all the calls. Like, hey, were you interested in? Yeah, exactly. Ways yeah. Is done. <laughs> all right, so so we are uh, we're gonna hit the listener questions now. We've got quite a few of them, and we'll just kind of go through them. The first one was from some guy. I'm pretty sure he was uh, just trolling me because he was asking. Um, but I'll I'll ask it because you know what he took the time to type this out. He said, uh, "Do you think that there are cops out there that enjoy subjugating other people?" Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I haven't seen that, so maybe there is. No. Like, I we're getting into a very broad topic here. Like, policing is like any other profession, right? You got great people, not so great people, and that's small, small percentage that are uh, bad. But it's it's no right. different than any other I, profession. Absolutely. I think, I think that's, that's a great way to put it. And like I said, I, I don't know who this person is. He's never, she's never, I don't know, uh, never conversed with me before. So I can't even see if they're joking or not, but um, you're absolutely right. People in every possession, in every profession uh, have bad intentions, yeah. but there's a, an exceeding majority that has good intentions yeah. in this profession. So there's that yeah. uh, next question is from my buddy, CJ. This is a financial question, so put your thinking cap on. All right. Is maple syrup a valid currency in Canada? Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> no. But it's actually, it's uh, well, that, we're known for our maple syrup in Canada. That's for sure. Is it, I don't, I don't even know if you'd be able to say this. Does it, have you had like American version of maple syrup, like Vermont or whatever? Like, you know, does it taste different? Not, you know what? No, I haven't. I, I've been to Vermont and I've been to a lot of places, but I've never like, gone out of my way to have maple syrup there but you know what mm, okay because of cj next time i'll i'm in uh vermont i will uh give it a try I'll spoof okay that sounds yeah. good <laughs> you know i asked i asked my last canadian guest here and i have a buddy his girlfriend's canadian he lives down here yeah um what's your opinion this is not a listener question this is a me question what's your opinion on Tim Hortons. Do you think it's gone down? Do you think it's still good? So I really, really, really like Tim Hortons. It's my, it's my favorite place to go to for coffee. When I was like, we have no Tim Hortons here, uh, but that was going to be my yeah. next question. Okay. Yeah, because it's just, but there, there is one in the territorial capital of Cowlick. I I like Tim's. It's my the coffee I know, the coffee I love. Uh, but what I like about Tim Hortons is that in most of the small towns that we work. It's the gather. It's like everybody stops in there once a day, and mm. you can. It's like the place to be, right? In a small town, business deals are done at the Tim's. You meet at the local coffee shop. You like talk business, or you meet all your friends there. Uh, it's just like it's great. Tim Hortons, like they're a great company. They give back a lot to the community and their camps for kids. And nice. it's, uh, but yeah, like I, I love Tim's. Love it. Very good, yeah. very good. I still have not had Tim's, so I got to do it now. In your in your small little two hundred person community, do you have any chains or box stores? No, or nothing. Like that, or is there's it all nothing. Small mom and pop. No, there's no rest. There's not even a restaurant here, man. Nothing. No, because it's like wow. So they have one. They have one hotel that costs three hundred and fifty dollars a night, but you get food with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's it's uh, it's remote, dude. 
it, and there's no no restaurants, no nothing. So sorry for everyone who thought we were done talking about Nunavut, but I got more questions now. Yeah. <laughs> so what is so? Do you guys have like a supermarket up there, or is everything like, hey, we got we need to eat tonight. Let me go out to the fishing hole and get some. So we so there's a co-op grocery store, but it only gets like like if the weather's bad and planes can't come in, it doesn't get food. So we have a lot of all the houses have stores of food. Like I got mm. like we have a big store like a storing storage area in our house that my daughter calls it the store because it's got tons of stuff. Like it's got, I got like 10, four kilo bags of rice, tons of canned food, tons of stuff like to keep us going. If we, if we don't have, uh, like if, if a freighter doesn't come in, but mm-hmm. there is, there is a store in town that you can get some stuff. It's very expensive because of the, because of the, uh, the re- travel yeah and the remoteness of the of the community right but there is a guy that, that gotcha. there's one guy that owns everything up here that flies food from his store that he owns in Yellowknife which is in the northwest territories that's one territory west he flies uh, a big order of food in once a month and that's milk uh produce all that kind of good stuff right so we're we we're eating pretty good up here uh we just have to pay a lot more for our groceries Gotcha. Gotcha. Is the, is the cost, or I'm sorry, is your income proportionate to that? Or are you like, is it? Yeah. So we're very well paid up here. Like I'm like, I, I I would be probably one of the highest paid guys in, in the RCMP this year, just because of my 24 seven on call and overtime and expense. Like it's just, it's uh, yeah. Like we do very well up here. Okay. Okay. So that's good. So the cost of living is high, but you, it's balanced by the, the amount that you make. So that's good. Next question is what is financial fitness? Financial fitness is just being, having a, your money and your finances in order so that you can function as a police officer. I think that's a good way to put it. You know, we talk about mental health and mental wellness. We talk about physical health and physical wellness to me, financial health and financial wellness is literally the exact same thing. Yeah. Just talking about your finances. It's not, you know, but it's something we don't talk about. No. It's right in line with like mental health and the stigma with that. Like you said in the very beginning, we don't talk about the money we make and, and what yeah. we spend, you know, on certain things. So conversations like this to me is very important. And I know a lot of people go, oh, they're talking about finance. I don't even watch MSNBC or CSN, whatever it is. But you know what? There's actually, there's a big benefit to it. So I really, yeah. if you guys have been listening to this point, it's not all Timmy Hose and maple syrup. Yeah. There's a lot of value that's come from this episode. Uh, next question. Do you think it's better for a cop married with kids to have two jobs or have the spouse work too? That really depends on your personal situation. So my, my wife, she, she is a, she's a member of the RCMP as well. And we like prior to coming to Nunavut, she, we worked uh, together, but we worked opposites. So she would, I would work my two days, my two nights and uh, four off. And she would work her two days, two nights and have four off. So what that did is that our kiddo only had to go to daycare for uh, a couple hours a week, which really was good for us so that our kiddo was always with one of us pretty much. And we both worked and we got to save a lot of money and uh, spend time with our kids. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think to me, 
that all comes down to the individual family and what yeah. you can make work. Like so. it really depends too on how much money, how much money you make too, right? Like if, like if you have one person working and they can, like, and you live really frugally and you don't uh, have a like a like a lot of uh, debts and stuff, then then you know what? If it works for you guys to keep keep one person at home with the kiddos, then great. Right. And I, I just want to, you know, talking about the, the one person working with two jobs goes back to what we were saying about, well, what are you working for? Yeah. You know, if you're spending all this time away from the house, where's that balance? Yeah. And it goes back to what, what Paul was saying earlier, like, you know, work on getting some passive income that yeah. you don't have to be out of the house an additional, you know, 20 hours a week because you're working overtime. Yeah. You can find it in other ways. Yeah. Well, Paul, this has been a great conversation. I learned a lot. I think there's a lot of food for thought out there for people who may be um, interested in different realms of finance and, you know, how to make money and things like that. What would, when you, when you were kind of learning about all this and you start reading and learning and everything, what would be like a few financial resources that you relied on that you think other people should look into as well? So I think you should start reading. There's really some really good books uh, out there. I think if you like, if you want to just learn about how money works and how how the wealthy treat money differently than uh, the average person, you should pick up Rich Dad Poor Dad and and read that. It re- it essentially changed the way that I thought about money and buying things. And that is once you have that knowledge. It uh, like there's really nothing holding you back. You're only holding yourself back at that point. Yeah, I agree. I haven't read that book yet, even though I've known about it for 20 some years, but it's definitely on my very short list to read. But another person that I follow, uh, he's more just for marketing and and social media things. It's Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. One of the things that he said in one of his uh, videos, a guy came up to him at a conference or whatever it might be. And he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a BMW because, and Gary cut him off and said, because you like the way the BMW makes other people look at you. And he goes, yeah. no, 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 it's it's a nice car that I think that blah, 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 blah. And Gary's like, no, you want to buy this nice car because of the way the brand reflects you as a person to other people. He's like, but you don't have to strive for that to be successful. And he said, as a matter of fact, if you said no to that, whatever the BMW car payment is, you could probably be more successful and people would actually look at you in a respect, respectable manner more than if it was just, they were looking at a broke guy in a nice car. Yeah. So no, that's that kind right. of, that's, I know. that's so accurate. Like it's, you look, it's like the guy that's, that lives in the biggest house, drives the nicest car, but he's living paycheck to paycheck. Right. And I know lots, and I know yeah. lots of or, cops like that. Yeah, absolutely. Or you know, the other thing is like you know, you pull out your uh, your Gucci, your Louis Vuitton wallet, and there's nothing in it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. So great idea, everyone. Go check out that book. And there were a few other books that we talked about uh, throughout the way. Go take a look at that yeah. as well. We're gonna wrap up um, this little, not even a game that I play now. It's just kind of a get you thinking sort of thing. It's called the Mental Minute. Um, I'm gonna put a minute on the clock and we're going to, I'm going to ask you questions, just answer them and um, we'll go from there. Okay. Absolutely. Here we go. What is the best book that you've read recently? Yeah. Rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki and okay. long distance uh, real estate investing by David Green. Okay. What is something that you do to ground yourself? 
understand. I like to understand why, why I'm a police officer, why, like why I started this job in the first place and what I'm working towards. And that's to be there for my kiddos. What is something that you do for self-care? I recently got, uh, I got on with uh, fit responder and I'm on their, uh, eating plan and I'm working out. That's great Good for you. Yeah. Fit responders, a, uh, sponsor of the show. Everyone go check them out. Yeah. Uh, would you open an envelope with your death date written inside? You know what? Yes, I would. So that I could, uh, plan better and, uh, know how much time I have left and what I have to put away for my family. Would you be friends with yourself? Wow. That's a great question. I think so. I'd want to talk to myself and have an open conversation, but, uh, yeah, I think I would. What do you want from other people? That really depends on the person. I think I would hope that they would accept, like they are happy with the service that I provide as a, as a member. And I would like to, uh, people to say that Paul's, you know, a good, good husband, good father. And the last question, how do you find the, how do you define the word happy? And what makes you happy? Happy is when just little things happen around the house with, you know, my family and, uh, and we can just spend, uh, some time together. All right, Paul, that concludes our conversation today. I think we've talked about a lot, a lot of insight and perspective. If people want to get in contact with you, if they have more financial questions or, or even real estate based questions, how can they get in contact with you? So, I, I'm pretty active on three uh, uh, social media platforms. I'm active. I'm I have, I'm under my name Paul Britton on LinkedIn. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Britton North, and on Twitter, I'm Britton North as well. And I post all kinds of stuff about uh, my adventures here up in the north. Awesome! I think it'll be great. If anyone needs information, contact Paul. Paul, thank you so much for taking time and chatting with us tonight. No, anytime. My pleasure. And, you know, if you're struggling with money stuff, don't don't uh, hesitate to reach out for help because that's the first step and uh, you can save yourself a world of hurt. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone listening, stay tuned. We'll be right back to close up the episode. And uh, once again, Paul, thank you so much. Well, thanks again. Once again, thank you so much to Paul Britton. He actually, while we were talking about that, I was looking up everything that he was talking about, the different art, um, authors and podcasts, and I actually have saved in my Audible to-do list one of the books that he he uh, recommended. Actually, multiple now that I think about it. Um, I haven't gotten there yet, 
as I'm still doing the whole personal growth and development thing. Currently, I'm listening to Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. Sorry, I was going to say Ryan Mickler because a couple books ago I read Sovereignty by Ryan Mickler, who runs the Order of Man podcast. And before that, before I started Stillness, I was listening to Hardcore Zen. And that was a great one. Uh, that was recommended to me by Hey My Man Dave, who does our intros every week. I got to tell you guys, this is not an advertisement at all. But if, you, if you're like me and you don't have the attention span or maybe the time to sit and read books. Now, people are going to say, oh, you know, uh, not, not saying you're not able to make time is an excuse. Nah, bro. It's for real. My life is hectic. Okay, let, let me break down a a typical work day for me. This is going to be a typical work day. I wake up somewhere between 4 and 4.30 on a very tired day, like on my Friday. Maybe I'll push it to like 4.35, 4.40. But that's only if I have everything planned the night before. So somewhere between 4 and 4.30, usually around 4.15, 4.20 is when I'm good and ready to get out of bed. I get up. I make the coffee. I, I added the Jersey accent to make it authentic. Pack my lunch. Get dressed. I shower the night before, and you'll find out why. Um, which I've always done. I always prefer showering the night before. I don't know. I should put that up as a poll. Do you prefer to shower the night before or, or the morning? The, or the morning. Anyway, get in my car. I, I leave my house no later than 5 a.m. And that's that's pretty consistent. And I've gotten it down to a science that if I leave... Honestly, the the latest I can leave my house is about 5.05. Anything after that, I'm testing fate. So I drive to work. And God forbid, I forget to get gas the night before, which happens all too often. I drive. Recently, the the gas station right by my house, the pumps haven't been working since the hurricane. That's been really jamming me up, too. Anyway, I drive to work. I get to work about quarter to six. But anytime up from quarter to six, up to six. Never before, and of course, never after. Uh, uh, one day, though, I did get to work late. There was a crash on the interstate. That blew. Anyway, so then I work for 12 hours. At the end of the 12 hours, I change and I go right to the gym. My class, uh, CrossFit, yeah, 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 make your jokes, starts at seven. Seven to eight, I work out. Now I drive. Now, if we don't have any traffic, I usually get home about nine o'clock. About. Give or take. But then, you know, if I stay after the class, if I talk to the coach, anything else. And then, you know, what do I do? I shower. I have podcast stuff to do, which I'm doing right now at 10 o'clock at night. All these things, right? And then what? Then then what do I do? You know, I, I got to go to sleep. Because the way I've broken it down, if I get to bed at 1030 at night, I can get, I don't know, I don't know what the math is. It's about five hours of sleep. Six, maybe. Um, which is pretty good, but it never happens that way. One reason or another, I stay up past that. And so there you go. When am I going to read in that time? Because by the time I get to bed to end the night, I'm exhausted. I'm going to fall asleep. By the time I wake up in the morning, I got to get out the door. So when, when I drive, that's the time that I have most to sit and listen or, or consume. So anyway, if you're like me and that's your schedule or something similar, and you don't have downtime, check out Audible. Audible has been great. Uh, Dave also recommended just 
renting books, audiobooks from the library. I thought about that too, but Audible literally has anything I'm looking for. It's worth the membership. It really is. I've listened to so many books. I've really, I think, gained a lot of perspective. And then I can listen to them again and, you know, really, like, I, I'm, I passively but also actively listen. And then I can do more as time goes on. So check out Audible. I mean, you know, just something to think about. Uh, Annie Frisella wouldn't like it if, if whenever I do 75 hard, I'd be like, no, that doesn't count. Listen, bro, it counts. Secondly, speaking of my crazy schedule, I recently started doing uh, basically mail order meal prep. Local place, not local, it's to South Florida. Uh, Fit Life Foods. That's been helping my weight loss journey. Also, ever since I've been going to Dispatch, surprise, surprise, I've gained a lot of weight. I am so much more sedentary than I've ever been. Even with doing CrossFit like three times a week, it's bad. So if I don't meal prep, and again, when am I going to meal prep in all those in all that time? So Fit Life Food literally delivers meal prep, a week's worth of meal prep to my door every Sunday. And I go ahead and I, and I get my meals and I've been eating... Well, you know, so no DoorDash, no fast food. It's it's really been great. It's been quite significant. So just some ideas, and especially on the heels of the whole Paul Britton thing, like talking about what expenses can we cut down, you know, a $5 coffee, a $10 coffee, whatever they are nowadays. I don't really think about it. I just pay for it. But when you have something like a service, like let's say Fit Life Foods, or, you know, if you have a therapist, a nutritionist, things like that, those are important things to you. So don't do that. You know, obviously a little bit ends up being a lot, but also you have to figure out and count in the fact that you exist in this also. I think the best idea that Paul said is get passive income. It's something that I've been working on for a long time. I still haven't got it yet, but that has been actively on my mind. So while I do my day job and while I do this, which is basically a glorified hobby, it can make money on the back end and I can use that. So like speaking of which, go check out my merch store because when you buy merch, then I can use my earnings from work to go do other things. And obviously the amazing sponsors at the beginning, go check them out. They also help me do that as well. So just ideas for you guys. That's really it. Check us out next week. I'm so excited to release this episode. We have a TikTok star, which I know that doesn't mean a lot to some people, but I found this dude on Facebook Reels because I don't have TikTok, and he was telling stories about the last two decades he spent in prison. So interesting. His name is Jesse Cross, and he's on all social medias as Second Chancer. It's so cool. I can't wait to share it with you guys. It's going to be a trip. Um, on Monday, we have... Oh, Monday's Halloween. We have something special on Monday. We have a double feature. That's right. Just like you always want it. We have a Punk Rock Cops episode. We have the Jersey Boys. It is sick. Halloween is going to be great, so check us out then. And again, Thursday, we have Jesse Cross and the Second Chancer coming at you. Li- not live. Not live. We're not live yet. But I've kind of soft announced that we'll do a big announcement coming up soon regarding the word I just said. Anyway, folks, check out the merch store. Check us out. We are on YouTube with a bunch of like shorts and, and stuff like that. And yeah, until next time, folks, take care of each other. Stay safe. We'll see you on Halloween 10 8.